0: Welcome back, everyone. This is Looking Up, and my name is Charissa Terosian, and we are excited to welcome you to another episode of Looking Up. I'm joined in the studio today by a surprise uh, participant, a surprise guest on the show, my husband.
1: Yes, Justin. happy to be here. Pastor
0: Justin Teresa. good to have you here, husband. Glad
1: to be here. <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't want to be in any other place.
0: Oh, good. Well, we're really looking forward to sharing this time together with you wherever you're joining us from and tuning in. It's a wonderful, as Danny would say, something about the Wednesday, and today I've been so excited to see the sunshine again. Yes,
1: blue skies. Blue skies, A welcome sights.
0: Yeah, we've had five days, I think, of rain. Yeah here in Newcastle area. so All
1: of the East Coast, actually. That's right. Floods everywhere.
0: That's right. So it's a real blessing to see the sun shining through again. We just want to give you a few details so that you can um, participate in our program today. If you would like to call in with a question or you might even have a desire for a prayer, we have a number that you can call us on. It's one 800 Four three. That's one eight hundred three two four eight four three. That's if you'd like to have any questions or comments shared or with us during the program, or if you'd like a prayer request. And if you prefer to text, it's zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. And Justin, I'm guessing that some people might be listening and wondering, "Where's Pastor Danny today?"
1: That's right. So I'm covering for him because unfortunately he is. Uh, at the funeral of his dear grandmother and I understand they were very close and so we invite you to pray for Pastor Danny as he is and he and his family are going through this difficult time and uh, as he will be leading out in the memorial service and funeral of his grandmother down in Melbourne before coming back next week and joining us again.
0: That's right. So we are thinking of him and his family at this time. Sad that they can't be here. But uh, look, we he wanted me to pass on a message to you all. And uh, as you know, if you've been listening to our programs, you'll know that we've been stepping through the Book of Daniel, which has been a really exciting book. And last week we were in Daniel chapter 7. We only got halfway through the chapter actually, Justin, because... Um, it's a big one. Yeah, there's just so much in it. So this week we're actually going to put that on pause. So we'll mm. wait till um, Danny comes back. We'll continue on next week. But we had a, a couple of people wondering, when are we going to talk about the vaccine and the mark of the beast? Mm. So, that's a really important subject, and we wanted to let you know, we haven't forgotten, next week we're going to continue with the rest of Daniel chapter 7, and then the week after that, we will have that very much awaited study. Is that April 4th? That'll be April 7th. April 7th, there you go. Thank you for asking. April 7th, (laughs) and uh, we're looking forward to that. So, we just invite you to enjoy this next song. It's called The Red Sea Road, and after that, we'll be back with some more.
2: We buried dreams, laid them deep into the earth behind us, said our goodbyes at the grave, but everything reminds us. God knows we ache when he asks us to go on. How do we go?
0: Red Sea Road and you are listening to another episode of Looking Up. And by the way, if you miss an episode, you can always go back and find out the past episodes on our Faith FM website and uh, that should make for some good listening material for you. Well, Justin, we, uh, we've we got a lot to talk about as far mm. as the news goes in the world this week. So much happening. Yeah, there's good news and bad news. Uh, maybe we start with the uh,
1: the bad news. Okay, <laughs> let's, okay. end, let's end on the good notes. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, you start us off.
1: <laughs> ah, yeah. Just taking a look at um, a little bit of what's happening over in America, uh, you know, with the new uh, presidential um not party, but the new presidential cabinet or, you know, president and vice president, etc. A lot of the policies that have been changing. A lot of people have been looking at the border when it comes to immigration. Um, people have just been basically flocking across the border just by the the hundreds, by the thousands. They say at this rate it would be over a 100,000 new people in America every single year. Wow. Which is up by, I think, like... 300, 400% of what it was. Uh, visas are kind of being ignored. There's no real need for them. And it's understandable that people would want to come into America if they're in poverty and difficult life situations and the cartels are controlling their hometowns. Uh, but there needs to be for their own safety and for their own sakes as well as the, the sake of America. There needs to be places or things in place to make sure that they are, you know, documented and they can be looked out for, uh, receive medical insurance, um, people know where they are so they don't just disappear in the system Mm. or without being connected to the system in america but uh that is definitely a a huge strain on any country to have that many immigrants especially uh ones that are now being encouraged to register to vote without being citizens Mm. and so a lot of interesting changes there you know up in the pacific northwest of uh, just North of my home state of California, in the state of Oregon, you'll all remember the uh, BLM riots uh, that took place last year. Uh, There was a a large push to defund the police and a cry that went up to defund the police. And this actually happened. And I just this afternoon saw a headline and a little news clip of a video of a, a man who said, statistically, since they did defund the police largely in Portland, the murder rate has gone up by 2,000%. Wow, that's ah. incredible. Yeah, it's just mind-boggling. And, you know, I think our police often get a bad rap, and, and you know, the police department <laughs> is filled, in every country, it's filled with humans, and humans are imperfect, of course. But um, I could just speak for here and where I was in the States and say that I'm really grateful for our officers that are uh, out there trying to keep our cities safe, keep us safe, protect people even from themselves at times. Yeah. And um, you know, we can praise God for them, we need to pray for them, and even if there are imperfections in those police departments, um, defunding them drastically, as we're seeing through these statistics, is not the answer, but just creates a bigger problem.
0: Incredible statistic there that you just shared, that's uh, again, <laughs> just a sign of the world that we're living in. Mm-hmm. Um, Another article that you and I were actually talking about it happened in Canada. Do you want to share a little more about that?
1: Yes, yes. In Canada, just recently, um, yeah, this story is from March 18, 2021 on Breitbart, uh, breitbart.com if you want to check it out. The title is, Canadian man is jailed after misgendering his daughter. And um, you can watch the little news clip there. It's actually just really heartbreaking. There's this father who uh, his daughter was in the seventh grade and the school changed his daughter's name in the yearbook without telling her parents. They actually worked to socially transition her uh, with input of a gender ideologue psychologist named Wallace Wong. And he advised this 13 year old, probably 12 at the time, this girl to take testosterone. Wow. tried to encourage her that she was actually a boy and um, basically it ended up uh yeah, she was allowed into the local hospital and uh, there was a treatment plan so-called that was put into action on her first visit and this father, the mother said well, okay, if that's what the daughter wants then so be it but the father said, you know I can't let this happen because gender dysphoria is something that happens often with kids but puberty ends up uh, fixing it, so to speak, and bringing it clear in their mind the majority of the time. And so he actually said, well, no, I'm going to call my daughter a she. The court actually stepped in and said, you have to call your daughter a he as she wants legally. Mm. And so they ended up arresting him. Mm. And uh, so he has to either affirm that or get thrown in jail. And he, you know, I, I really admire this father because he said, you know, the statistics are Alarming at how many people who transition to the other gender or try to through gender hormone therapy who come in their early 20s and say, I made a mistake and I can't reverse it. Mm -hmm. And he said, when my daughter comes to me someday and, you know, has grown facial hair and has physiological changes, she'll never be able to have children. And if she, like many others, comes to the point where she says, you know, I've made a mistake. If she asks me, why didn't you do something? If you knew that this was not the right thing, he said, I'm going to be able to sincerely look her in the eye and say, darling, I did everything that I could. Mm -hmm. I literally did everything that I could. And I just, you know, I admire this man for his principle. He said this all very calmly, uh, very logically. He explained the reasons for his concern. And I think this is alarming because. In my book, you know, I think people who want to gender tra- transition to the other gender once they're 18 or older, that's one thing. If they receive counseling and they're told uh, all of the ramifications they can have psychologically, physiologically, and they make that decision as an adult, I think that's very different. But if you make that decision as a 13-year-old, and a recent statistic was that in England, 10% of all children transitioning to the other gender are between the ages of 3 and 10 years old. And it's like, in my mind, if this man cannot even call his own daughter a she, and if he can't encourage her to, to accept the gender she was born with, um, we're in a, and he's threatened with jail and actually put in jail for it. We're in some very scary times. And of course, this is Canada, but if it's happening there, who's to say it couldn't happen here it's in America so- and other countries in the West?
0: Yeah, that it's a scary thing to give children that young such significant changes and, yeah. <laughs> uh, when they can't, they don't know, like, what, what so many things are in this world yes that's right And,
1: and i mean if we if we cap the age the legal age for drinking if we don't let kids drink till they're 18 in australia or 21 in america and much of the world then alcohol affects the mind and the body in some ways significantly less than continued hormones uh of the opposite gender in large doses and so i think it's it's um it 's rather alarming you yeah. know concerning
0: that 's a good point if we're not going to if we make people wait for a certain age until they can be like drink mm. and that sort of thing, then we should at least let them wait until they yeah
1: <laughs> and you know I, I just want to pause and, and add and say you know for those who if somebody if I and actually have a friend who uh, identifies as a woman um, and his natal uh, gender or his natal sex, he was born as a, as a man or as a boy. Um, yeah, out of respect, I'll call him she because that's his request, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. I I respect their request to be called a she and I do that and for people who have had gender dysphoria, uh, you know, my heart goes out to them and um definitely some major sympathy there for them and and compassion. And I think we need to remember the the real difficulties that people go through uh in this area of life. Mm. Um, but I think there needs to be a lot of counseling in place to help them understand and even hearing the stories of people who have transitioned and then afterward said, I just had this, this awakening, so to speak, this realization that I'd made this shift that I shouldn't have made. Mm. Um, helping them hear some of those stories can, Help them make a wiser decision with something that's so huge.
0: It's not a decision to be taken very lightly or hate made right. hastily. That's for sure. Look, um, there's other news that we've had and maybe we can talk about. I mean, we've had all the flooding in New South Wales this week and weekend and actually just saw in the news that sadly one man has was found in his car drowned oh, in, no. in uh, New South Wales, which is mm. very tragic. Um, and many people have lost property and um, lives have been affected in in significant ways, you know, this weekend. But there's also been uh, some more positive news on the COVID front. Mm. I was excited when I saw this one um, that... We'll be able to sing in yes. churches again all right. as of next week.
1: Man, I've missed the, singing. Um,
0: the Premier, New South Wales Premier, has announced all, a lot of um, you know, revisions on restrictions and there's no more limits on weddings and funerals anymore. And uh, yeah, mm. that is exciting, isn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and just coming back, sorry, but to bring it back to the, I... the gender question, I just wanted to clarify, just on the note that we okay. ended on, um, maybe you're listening to this program today, and you've had questions, am I actually a woman in a man's body, or a man in a woman's body, uh, that's called gender dysphoria, and just know that God makes no mistakes. We live in a world with brokenness and sin that causes confusion, sometimes even in these areas. But um, you can rest assured that God didn't make a mistake when He made you. Mm. You may feel like it, but know that that's not the case. He has a plan for your life. He made you intentionally. He knew you before you were born. And He has an amazing plan for your life.
0: Amen. That was worth coming back for. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Do you want to share any news that happened in your life recently?
1: Yeah, so this last Saturday, I had the privilege of um officially being ordained as a minister of the gospel in the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And so I've been working since 2009, coming up on 12 years mm-hmm. as a pastor. Um Took some years off, like two and a half years for a master's degree, and then went back into pastoring. And so, yeah, so one of the 10-year-olds at our church came up to me and asked... Before the ordination service, you know, Pastor Justin, what's ordination? <laughs> it's a and good question.
0: Some of our listeners might be asking exactly the same thing yes, right now. Yes,
1: <laughs> you may be wondering. Ordination is basically the church officially recognizing God's call on someone's life mm-hmm. to pastoral ministry. And, um, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't mean that the, the person wasn't called before, but it's an official recognition. And we find in the Bible, Jesus laid his hands on his apostles. And he prayed a special blessing over them, setting them apart for the gospel ministry. It happened as well in the New Testament church where the apostles laid hands on others, on elders and on pastors and teachers to be set apart for the gospel uh, work and to share the gospel with the world. And so... Yes, it was a privilege to have such a beautiful time, a beautiful service. It was. Uh, we had our conference president there and our general secretary, a number of other people. He,
0: even Danny said a few words.
1: Pastor Danny had the most to say of anyone there, actually. <laughs> did he did have a lot to say. He gave the, the message. We, okay. interestingly enough, Sharissa and I both, yeah, we were, both thinking of Pastor Danny, uh, even before we spoke about it. And so, just the way that God spoke through him there, was it was obvious that um, he had brought him to our minds mm. to give the message. And so, yeah, really, it's um, the message was that we're all given the opportunity and the privilege and the responsibility of sharing the gospel. That's right. Where every believer is to be a, not just a disciple, but a disciple maker. Mm. And that's what God's ideal is for us. So if you're a Christian, then God has called you uh, to be a disciple maker, a Christian maker. And I love uh, the illustration in the Bible, uh, the parable of the sower and elsewhere. And Charissa, what does an apple tree make?
0: I know, this, I know this is a trick <laughs> question. So an apple tree makes more apple trees.
1: That's right. Most people would say apples. You've asked um, me this one
0: before. <laughs> so I knew the answer.
1: Yes. But an apple tree makes not just apples, mm-hmm. but the purpose of apples is to make more apple trees. Mm-hmm. And so Christians, we are not just to be, um, you know, bearing the fruit of the spirit, to be nice to look at, but rather to be uh, disciple makers. I studied the Bible with someone uh, last week who contacted us. He's a new Christian, a new believer, and uh, he's from an Orthodox church and found that a lot of the things that were being taught were not in the Bible. And so he contacted us and he wanted to start studying the Bible. And then our second Bible study together, he asked me, he said, so you're a pastor and you're teaching me, um, like, is it okay for me to teach? And Mm -hmm. when and, and how and who can I, who am I allowed to teach? And I said, well, I'm not here teaching you because I'm a pastor, but actually because I'm a Christian. And so we're all ordained to be servants of God and to preach and teach the gospel to the world
0: Amen and that's a really good point point. and if you're listening to this and you're thinking wow I wish I had someone that would study the Bible with me I wish I could have someone help me study then please contact us mm. here there's the number 1-800-324-843 or you can text us on zero four nine we'd love to hear from you and love to connect you with someone who could step through the Bible uh, with yes. you you know as you've been sharing all these uh, amazing news headlines and updates about what's happening in our world, I can't help but think that these things are just reminders to us of the words of Jesus and it's the, the foundational theme of this program. So when you see these things begin to happen, look up, lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. We mm. truly are living in an exciting time in yes. human history. I think uh, if all the Bible greats could be alive today, they'd want to be living today because it's right on the edge of eternity and, and Jesus is about to come so we're going to have a break we'll take a song from Gregor Pile called the call and we'll be back with the news and then we'll be back after the news with the bible study
3: so many homeless and nowhere to go With violence and war Children are scattered And tattered and torn Hey somebody Won't you help me together we Big-
0: everyone you were listening to Melissa Otto right there and we are now back to to, we, you're listening to the show, looking up, but now we're up to the part of our show where we study the Bible together. And uh, if you missed our intro, we mentioned that we have been going through the Book of Daniel, but this week we're just going to put that on pause because Pastor Danny can't be in the studio today.
1: We don't want him to miss out.
0: No, I don't think he wants I mean, to miss out either. <laughs> it's
1: his namesake, the Book of Daniel. That's Pastor right. Danny.
0: <laughs> That's right. So we couldn't do it without him, and and I think he he is keen to share with us some exciting facts and deep details from the rest of Daniel chapter 7 so we're going to continue next week with the second half of Daniel chapter 7 and then the week after that uh, as some of you have been asking about you know, what's the significance of the vaccine in light of Bible prophecy and some people are wondering, is it the mark of the beast? We're going to have a big study on that on the 7th of April, Uh, so you don't want to miss that episode of looking up April 7, but today as I said, this is a break We have a special guest in the studio, (laughs) Justin, and we decided that we're gonna talk about
1: John chapter nine.
0: All right. So everybody's gonna be wondering what on earth this is. (laughs) So you're going to want to grab a Bible if you can, and uh, follow along with us because you'll get more out of this. Yes. All right, so let's open with a word of prayer. Shall we would you like to open for us? Sure.
1: Love to. Father in heaven, we thank you so much. For the privilege of being in a nation where we have the liberty, the freedom to open your word, to study it together, and even to have radio programs like this where we can share your word. And Lord, we ask that the Holy Spirit, the one who inspired your word, would fill our minds, that you would be our teacher here today, and that the story that we walk through and Jesus' miracle that we see, we pray that you would apply it to our lives in practical ways. And that we would go away from our time together encouraged, uplifted, and encouraged to keep looking up to you. Mm. We thank you for this. We love you and we pray this in Jesus' name.
0: Amen. Amen. Alright, so uh, we're in the Gospel of John, and we're looking at John chapter 9, and uh, we're going to begin by just reading through the first 12 verses of John chapter 9, just because that will help our listeners to have an understanding of the subject and the story, and then we'll be able to to dig into it, because it's, yep. it's, a, it's a passage of Scripture that's just rich. So, would you like to read? Sure. First?
1: Now as Jesus passed by, and this is from the New King James, but whatever version you may have in front of you is great. If you're driving, just listen close. Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Therefore, the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, Is not this he who sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, nah, He is like him. He said, I am he. Therefore they said to him, How were your eyes opened? He answered and said, A man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and I washed and I received sight. Then they said to him, Where is he? And he said, I do not know.
0: All right. So this, this helps us to, to put ourselves in the chapter. Mm. Uh, there is a man that Jesus passes by And he sees him, but the man doesn't see him. He can't even look up because he was born blind, the Bible says. Um, Justin, what's the first thing that strikes you about this passage right here?
1: Well, first of all, I'd say... um... Probably the thing that strikes me most is that he was blind from birth. Okay. And this will come back. The story will mention this later, just how significant this was. But I think the words of the disciples are very telling as to what people in their day actually thought about those who were blind or born crippled or with some other illness. They ask, Rabbi, who sinned, mm-hmm. this man or his parents that he was born blind? Now, think about that. Can someone sin before they're born? No. No. No, it's not possible, right? So they're actually asking, did God foresee that this man would sin and punish him in advance by causing him to be blind? Or did his parents sin and therefore God punished them by giving them a blind son? And uh, it goes to show that they hadn't learned the lesson of the book of Job, which was that Bad things happen to good people. That's we're right. living in a world with brokenness and sin, and the devil's real. He, he attacks people, especially those wanting to follow God, with ailments, physical illness, natural disasters can be caused by the devil. And uh, obviously, the Jews in Jesus' day, the disciples included, needed to unlearn this idea that uh, if someone was born with a handicap, that they were being punished or Uh, The parents were being punished in this way. Mm. So Jesus starts to unravel this misconception pretty early on here.
0: That's a really good point that you made, because it's a misconception that still lingers today in 2021. Mm. Uh, I find it really interesting what Jesus tells the man to do.
1: Yeah, it is, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Why, do, why does he tell him? Why doesn't he just say, be healed?
1: Ah, oh, that's a great question. But we actually skipped something that's really, <laughs> <laughs> really powerful. Bring
0: me back. <laughs> let's, get,
1: <laughs> let's get there, though. We, we will definitely get there. I think um, Jesus' answer to his disciples is pretty big, right? You want to read verse 3 for us, maybe?
0: Sure. Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him.
1: All right. So Jesus says, neither, mm-hmm. neither this man nor his parents sinned. Uh, but then he says, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Interestingly enough, a few chapters earlier in John 6, verses 28 and 29, the people were following Jesus and they asked him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? And in John six twenty nine, Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent.
0: That's actually one of uh, John's favorite words, believe. Yeah. Like over and over again, it's that Jesus came that we might believe in him.
1: Absolutely. In fact, he writes at the end of the gospel in in chapter 21 that he wrote this gospel that people may believe that Mm -hmm. Jesus is fully God. So Jesus actually says here, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but he was born blind so that the works of God could be revealed in him. We just read that the works of God are to believe in Jesus, right. right? So this man was allowed to be born blind, So that he could essentially have a faith in Christ that he might otherwise not have had had he not been born blind.
0: Wow. That's deep.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And it really shifts the perspective that we can have when it comes to our uh, our our calamities in life, our difficulties. Mm. You know, yes, the devil's real. He throws things our way. He attacks us in different ways. But God is so powerful that he can turn them around for his glory and for his good.
0: Mm. Amen. Now are we up to that?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Just one in more. Verse, uh, yeah, one more real quick. <laughs> then Jesus, You tell me when. <laughs> <laughs> so in verse 5, he says to his disciples, As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. What? When it comes to us physically, I mean, I know we get vitamin D from the sun, but besides that, what specific function does light have for us as people?
0: Tell us. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well... We can see through light, right? It's impossible for us to see if there's no light. Mm -hmm. Jesus is here. There's this man blind from birth, and he tells them, I am the light of the world. I am the one that enables anyone to see. Mm. He's actually giving them a hint at what he's going to do. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so powerful. Um, Now... To your question. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we were getting there, folks. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I'm just reading in verse 6, when he had said these things, that is Jesus, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And I find this a fascinating way... Of Jesus healing people. Mm. Like other times he just touches them and they're healed. Or he speaks a word and they're healed. Why Why does he specifically do this strange thing?
1: Yeah, great question. Um, so in verse 7 it goes on and he tells them then, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. That's significant as well. He went, he washed, and he came back seeing. Just before this, in John chapter 8, Jesus had had this dispute with the Pharisees, the religious leaders. And he had said, you know, if you were Abraham's descendants, you would believe in me, because Abraham believed in me. And they said, oh, Abraham is our father, we don't know where you're from. And then Jesus says to them, no, you're of your father, the devil. And he says, if you were following my father, that is God then you would listen to me, you'd believe me. And so there was this discussion, this battle over whether or not they were truly descendants of Abraham and therefore descendants of God, or whether Jesus was the Son of God. And interestingly enough, if you look in the Talmud, it's like Jesus was trying so hard to get through to them with the Word of God, but because they wouldn't even listen to that, he was even going around and... Around that so to speak And trying to use culture To try to get through to them Listen to this This is from the Talmud mm. This is not biblical truth But it is a a Hebrew custom And in Bava Batra 126b of the Talmud It says this It is learned as a tradition That the saliva of a father's firstborn Heals the ailment of blindness But the saliva of a mother's firstborn Does not heal mm-hmm. <laughs> So There's this tradition that the saliva of a father's firstborn child can heal blindness. And here, Jesus spits in the ground with his saliva, makes mud, puts it on this man's eyes, and tells him to go wash in the pool called scent, and he receives his sight. It's like Jesus was trying to wake them up, even through their tradition and their ideas that weren't necessarily biblical. He was doing everything that he could, and it's powerful that that word scent, the time Nearest this that it is used is in John 8 42 when he's arguing with the Pharisees and he says this, Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and came from God. Nor have I come from my, of myself, but he sent me.
4: Amen.
1: So Jesus is, is using this. He's making spit, uh, mud out of his spit and saliva to wake them up that he is the son of God. And he sends this blind man to the pool called Scent. and it's, you know, a wise teacher once said, tell me and I'll forget. Show me and I'll remember. Involve me and I'll understand. Mm. And Jesus was the master teacher. He involved those around him in the lessons that he uh, was teaching. And how amazing it must have been for this blind guy to all of a sudden, for the first time in his life. He's an adult. Mm. The first time in his life, he opens his eyes and I, I imagine that he sees Uh, a reflection of his face in the water and realizes what he looks like and sees the sheep dotting the the landscape in the distance and he sees the blues and the greens and all the beautiful colors, how amazing that must have been.
0: Amen. Yeah, we take sight for granted because we have it, but when you think about not having it, it's one of the senses I think if I had to pick one that I would would lose, I wouldn't pick that one because Mm. I want to be able to see, see people's faces and uh, yeah, just, yeah, what a, Blessing it is to see, and and how amazing, as you said, it would have been to be able to see again. You know, I like as the passage goes on, and our time in this segment is just going so quick. But, you know, when people saw him, that he was seeing again, they said, Wait a minute, weren't you the man born blind? Like, they they were surprised Mm. as well, and he said he was. And I like what it says in verses 10 and 11, which you read before. You know, they said to him, how were your eyes opened? And probably we should spend just the last few minutes of this segment on verse 11. Because the blind man answers and he says, a man called Jesus made clay. And anointed my eyes and said to me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and I received sight. Mm. That's just beautiful. Do you want to unpack that a little bit more for us? It's so powerful.
1: Every good testimony begins with a man called Jesus. Amen. Jesus is the beginning and the end of every powerful testimony. Four points here. He says, Jesus made clay. He said to me, go wash in the pool of Siloam. I went and then fourth of all, I received my sight. So really, it had four parts, and every uh, testimony really can have these basic four parts. First of all was um, what Jesus did. He made clay. Then what Jesus said. Then third, the man's response. And fourth, the result. He Mm. received his sight. Mm. And I love how even after he shares his testimony, all he shared was what he knew God had done for him. Mm -hmm. His personal experience with Jesus. He didn't teach, and uh, he didn't preach here. But then they ask him a question, where is he? And he says in verse 12, I do not know. And early on in our Christian journey, when we're newly converted and brought to Christ, there are going to be a lot of times where people ask us questions and we just don't know the answer. Even
0: as you go on in your Christian journey. Absolutely.
1: And it's totally okay to say, I don't know. That's right. Yeah. Because God will bring the answer if we continue to seek.
0: Ah, that, that's so true. And such a beautiful testimony there. A man called Jesus. Mm. What did he do for me? He he did this. And what did he say to me? He said this. And I went and acted on his word, and I have received my sight. Yeah. And that's uh, something for all of us. Wherever you're tuning in and listening to, you too can encounter Jesus. Yes. Uh, he wants to speak with you. He wants to be your Lord and your Savior. And so as we continue, we're going to listen to a beautiful song. Right now called I Heard the Voice of Jesus That's what the blind man did He heard the voice of Jesus And uh, we'll be back with more just after this I heard the voice of Jesus. Beautiful song and perfect for where we are in our story. We just listen. We're in John chapter nine. You're listening to Looking Up on Faith FM and with Sharissa uh, and Justin today. And a very amazing story we're looking at about how Jesus healed the man born blind. And at this point in our chapter study of John chapter nine, he's been healed. But what happens after his healing is really quite remarkable, and yeah. and that's where we're up to now. So. Uh, We might just read through now John 9 and we're going to read through verses 13 to 23 if you're following in your Bible or listening as you drive. So here it goes and I'll read this one for us. The Bible says, Then they brought him who formerly was blind to the Pharisees. Now it was a Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also asked him again how he had received his sight. And he said to them, He put clay on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Again, such a simple response, isn't mm-hmm. it? Verse 16, Therefore some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. And they said to the man, The blind man again, what do you say about him because he has opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. Verse 18, But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him who had received his sight, and they asked them, saying, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but by by what means he now sees, we do not know, or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age, ask him, he will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was the, was Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Mm. Therefore his parents said, he is of age, ask him. Mm. All right, Justin, tell us where we should go first.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Back to the beginning of this section. Let's go back to verse 13. It says that uh, after this man received his sight, people were like, wait a minute, wasn't this the guy that was blind from birth? He's never seen before. How in the world? This can't be him. And they struggled to even recognize him because he looked so different. No doubt his face was filled with a joy that it had never experienced before. And it said that after this, they brought him who formerly was blind to the Pharisees. And it comments here, and John uh, pens these words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Now it was a Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. This is significant because mm. this is one of seven miracles that the Bible records, that the Gospels record Jesus performing on the Sabbath. Mm. And um, he no doubt performed many more than just seven miracles on the Sabbath. But what's fascinating is what he, uh, what happens next. Verse 15, then the Pharisees also asked him again how he received his sight. He said to them, he put clay on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. What's interesting is, this man, Jesus saw fit not only to make clay from the ground and put it on his eyes, but he also kind of put the ball back in this guy's court, didn't he? Mm. He actually said, go to the pool of Siloam and wash, and you'll receive your sight. Now, if this guy had never gone... He wouldn't have been healed, right? That's right. Because there was a condition to which Jesus said he would be healed. And this gave this man an opportunity to express his faith.
0: To exercise faith. To
1: exercise faith. And he exercised his feet by, <laughs> ex- ex- exercise his faith by exercising his feet and going to the pool of Siloam. And really, faith without action is dead. It's meaningless. Yes. It's theory. But true faith leads to action, and then it leads to life transformation. Um, you know, by God's grace, He transforms our lives through faith in Him, and it changes the way that we live. So, He says it again. And then verse 16, Therefore some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said... Oh, go ahead.
0: Oh, I was just I was thinking that remembering in Mark's Gospel, it was right after Jesus healed on the Sabbath, that it was from then that they began to plot His death.
1: That's right. Yeah, absolutely. The, the resurrection of Lazarus from the dead, mm-hmm. and uh, that healing on the Sabbath there in Mark, it's, it's from then on that they began to, to collude, to try to bring an end to Jesus' life. But what's amazing is they weren't this defending the Sabbath commandment. In the Old Testament here. We see um, that it does say they said, some of them said, Oh, this man doesn't keep the Sabbath, and others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such things? And there was a division among them, amongst the Jewish leaders. Now, where is it written that uh that you can't carry your uh you know, or that you cannot heal on the Sabbath? Where's is, where is this written? It's actually not in the old testament, because Acts of mercy and acts of healing are something that are appropriate to do on the Sabbath, Mm. because the Sabbath is basically a a reminder of salvation by grace through faith.
0: Yeah, it was given by God to be a a rich blessing, but I think at the time they had just ruined it with all the Mm. restrictions and... You know, things that they had put on the customs that they had imposed on the Sabbath that God never said to do. Like, that's they could right. only go so far, couldn't
1: they? They could only walk so many steps. That's right. They couldn't carry a mat on the Sabbath, uh, carry your cushion, your bed. Mm-hmm. And that's why in John 5, when Jesus told the man at the pool of Bethesda, crippled for 38 years, take up your bed and walk. They all gave him trouble again because that was a Sabbath and they said, who told you to carry your mat? They didn't even care to ask him who healed you. <laughs> they wanted to know who, who told you to break our commandment. So it wasn't the Sabbath commandment of God. It was this, the human man-made strictures that they had put around the Sabbath that, uh, that Jesus would have broken. And, um, ultimately those really don't matter because man-made rules, man-made regulations, man-made laws, when it comes to spiritual things, don't matter. It's God's word that matters.
0: That's so interesting, Justin. So um, after this, after they point this out, uh, they then ask him, what do you say about the man who healed you? And it's really interesting what his response is. Hmm. He says in verse 17, he is a prophet. Yes. He doesn't know much about Jesus at this point.
1: But he knows he must have a connection with God. That's must right. be a prophet. He actually
0: doesn't even know what Jesus looks like. He
1: doesn't know his name.
0: Doesn't know his name, yeah.
1: But doesn't know that it was Jesus. But he's if re- he had heard his name.
0: He must be a prophet, he thinks.
1: Yeah. So then they're like, the Jewish leaders are like, no, look, we just can't believe this. He can't possibly have received his sight after never having seen before. Generally, when someone loses their sight, it's possible for a healing, uh, for surgery to recur- recorrect it. But to give someone the ability to see who has never seen before, this is something that was beyond the realm of human possibility. It would have mm-hmm. had to have been a supernatural miracle. And it says in verse 18, the Jews didn't believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they had called his parents. <laughs> and uh, then it says in verse 19, they asked them, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see?
0: They knew he was their son. Yes. And they knew he was born blind. Mm. But they didn't know how he could see.
1: That's right. And they were even challenging, you know, wanting them essentially to say, Oh, no, no, he's he's not born blind. He's been seeing for years. But it wasn't uh, an easy out for them. It says that the parents answered Unfortunately, um, they answered true for part of it, but out of fear, they didn't answer completely. It says his parents answered saying, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But by what means he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age. Ask him. He'll speak for himself.
0: Mm. So now we have an indication of how old this guy must have been. You said he was an adult before we yeah. don't know how old he was but like we know he's not a child
1: right and i mean his parents were alive um so average age of life in jesus day among the jews i think it was something like 65 or even younger i can't quite remember off the top of my head
5: mm-hmm.
1: but um so this would have been a relatively young man we mm-hmm. could probably say at some point in his 30s between 25 and 35 or 25 and 40 probably somewhere in there Though we can't be sure for certain,
0: yeah, and they were the parents are worried because if they say what what if they say what they think that that they they are seeing, they could be put out of the synagogue. Now, synagogue is a you know what we would call the church today, I guess.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, why is that such a big deal?
1: Ah, uh, yes, you know, to be put out of the synagogue meant uh, a number of things. It would be for thirty days. In this case, and they wouldn't be able to interact with their friends uh, in their community. They would have been looked down upon far beyond just the, those 30 days when they would be, you know, kicked out of the synagogue. And so it had already been decided ahead of time. Uh, John tells us here that uh, if anyone confessed that Jesus was the Messiah, the Christ, that he would be put out of the synagogue. And that would have been for you know a thirty day period. So this was like a huge cultural taboo. This mm-hmm. is like one of the worst things that could happen to a family.
0: That's right. And I actually was reading that um, not only were they put out and they weren't able to have you know friendship with people, talk with them, communicate with them, but they also couldn't do business with them.
1: That's right. Yeah,
0: so that
1: was if they were medicine. in the trades, if, if the father had a business, uh, was a trader in any way, they wouldn't be able to do business. And so it would have been a loss of at least a month's worth of work as well.
0: Hmm. You look like you have another verse to share there.
1: Yeah, it, it's amazing here. So these parents are afraid of the cultural, the religious pressures. And uh, they say, look, he's of age. Ask him. He's old enough. He's an adult. He can answer for himself. But at least they were honest enough to say, yes, this is our son. Yes, he was born blind. That's true. And you know, it's always easy for us to look at Bible stories like this and think, man, if that was me, I would have shouted it from the mountaintops. You know, my son has been healed, right? He's received his sight. I'd have put it on Facebook. (laughs) And Instagram and wherever else, right? But really, oftentimes, when we look and we say, man, I wouldn't have done that, or I would have done this. Really, if we were in their shoes, we would have done the same thing. Mm. And um, we are given these stories, not just in the Bible of people who made right decisions, but of ones who made wrong decisions, so we can avoid the mistakes that they made. They say the difference between a wise person and a smart person is that a smart person learns from their mistakes, but a wise person learns from the mistakes of others. Mm, And so if we can (laughs) learn from the mistakes others have made, then we'll be all the wiser in life. So amazingly, this man still holds you know, to his story Jesus healed me. He doesn't yet know him by name. But um, amazing, the parents basically leave him. They say he's of age, ask him. And yet this man is willing to stand for his faith, even though he ends up getting kicked out and expelled, as we're going to see later in the story. But it just brings to mind Psalm 27, verse 10, where David is writing this beautiful psalm. And he starts by saying, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? And then later in verse 10, he says when my father and my mother forsake me mm. then the Lord will take care of me Amen. even if those who are closest to us in this life forsake us God will not forsake us. Mm. If we've given our lives to him and we cling to him by faith, he'll be faithful. He will be there for us even when everyone else may abandon us.
0: I love that you brought that out because I think there'll be many people that are listening right now who would find great comfort in knowing that that God never forsakes us mm. that he loves us more than any parent. Yep. earthly parent ever could and um, yeah that's very encouraging well uh, we have just flown through this section is there any other things you want to bring out at this point or should we read on a little bit
1: let's uh, read on a little bit and get a head start on the next section
0: all right so i'll read verse 24 and then we'll stop verse 24 says so they again called the man who was blind and said to him give god glory we know that this man is a sinner
1: <laughs> so they're saying, give God the glory for healing you, because we recognize now that you know you were born blind and now you can see, that's a miracle, but don't give Jesus do credit, give God the glory.
0: Yeah, right. isn't the irony here is stunning. <laughs>
1: yeah, because he was giving God the glory by telling the story of what Jesus had done.
0: God was in their midst and they had no idea.
1: That's exactly right.
0: And uh, so too many today.
1: And what's amazing, and we're going to see it at the end of this story, I'll hold back because don't want to give away some of the punchline, but... As we see here, the Pharisees chose to be spiritually blind. Mm. Even more than opening the eyes of this blind man, this man blind from birth, Jesus was wanting to spiritually open the eyes of the Pharisees.
0: Yeah, it's almost like that spiritual blindness is a greater blindness than being physically blind.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because
0: Jesus said He's the light of the world. He came Mm. to help everyone see, as you brought out before.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, this man was giving glory to God by sharing his testimony. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're listening today and you're a Christian, if you've been one for years or if you're a new Christian or if you're still just exploring Christianity and, and studying the Bible and trying to determine whether or not it is truth, I want to encourage you. Once you've had an experience with God, share it. Amen. This is the way to give glory to him. And this is what uh, the Bible tells us his people at the end of time will be doing is giving glory to God.
0: Amen. Well, I think this is a perfect spot for us to just to set up the next song, which is one of my personal favorites. The Booth Brothers are about to sing for us The Blind Man, and we hope you enjoy this song. It's a story and song, but one that just reminds us of just how wonderful Jesus really is. Enjoy.
6: Well, I was Some business affairs. I heard a commotion a couple streets over, and wondering what's happening there. A young man was running from in that direction and stopped just to catch his breath. I asked him to please tell me what was the hurry. He smiled up at me, and he said. I was trying to catch the crippled man, did he run past this way? He was rushing on to tell everyone what Jesus did today. And the mute man was telling myself and the deaf girl he's leaving to answer God's call. Me, as the blind man, he saw it all. Oh, ask the blind man, he saw it all. So my friend, if the struggles and are heavy and dragging you down You've tried everything you can possibly think of, there's no relief to be found That very same Jesus had altered the future of a blind man, the deaf and the lame You're still reaching out in your hour of trouble One touch and your the same, and you'll be trying to catch the crippled man, did he run past this way, oh he was rushing home to tell everyone what Jesus did today, And the man was telling myself and the deaf girl he's leading to answer God. To me As the light man he saw it all.
0: What a song. (laughs) Ask the Blind Man, He Saw It All. I love those uh, lyrics of that song. Well, if you're joining us, welcome back to Looking Up. And you are listening to Sharissa and Justin this afternoon as we unpack John chapter 9. And it's a really packed chapter of scripture. And we're up to verse 25 if you'd like to follow along with your Bible so there's been a man that was born blind, and Jesus healed him in this chapter. And the way he healed him is really wonderful when we understand that he was healing him in this way to help those who are looking on to come to faith in him as well. Yeah. Uh, at this point, the man is being interrogated. That's probably a very severe word. But he's being questioned by the Pharisees as to who did this and how did he do it and, and all of that. And so that's where we pick up our story in verse 25.
1: Yes, so the parents are brought and uh, they say, "Was this? is this your son and was he born blind? And they say, yes, he's our son. Yes, he was born blind. Who healed him? Yeah, we don't know. Ask him because they were afraid of being excommunicated or kicked out of the synagogue because of the social and financial and uh, religious connotations it would have had. And uh, so they finally give up trying to disprove that this guy was born blind because if anyone would know, it'd be his parents. And the Pharisees say you know, give glory to God, we know that this man is a sinner. Mm-hmm. But he was giving glory to God because he was sharing the testimony of what Jesus had done, and Jesus was God incarnate. So, verse 25. Do you want to read for us, yeah. Jesus? So,
0: Jesus answered. He answered and said, not Jesus, sorry, the blind man, who was blind, who now sees. Sorry for the confusion. Verse 25, he answered and said, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, that I was blind, now I see.
5: Mm, Powerful.
0: Yeah, that's all he knew. <laughs> yeah, doesn't know much, but he keeps going. Um, verse 26, Then they said to him again, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? Verse 27, He answered them, I told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Mm. Well, I just think this is really interesting, because as we pointed out in verse 17, when they asked him, what do you say about him who opened your eyes? He said, well, he's a prophet. And then they asked him some more, and they said, well, he says, I don't know if he's a sinner or not. All I know is that I was blind, and now I see. And then when they continued to probe him, he says, do you also want to become his disciples? Because in other words, he was saying he was a disciple now of Jesus. That's right.
1: He'd finally made it clear he openly claimed to be a disciple of jesus Mm. he didn't even know him yet by name but he knew if this man could open my eyes give me the ability to see and i'd never experienced it before blind from birth he is worthy of me following him and serving him and so he claims to be a disciple and (laughs) he gets really cheeky with these guys you know he gets really bold doesn't he (laughs) he says i told you already and you didn't listen why do you want to hear it again do you also want to become his disciples? Yeah. And so he makes an appeal to them. He actually invites them. What you want to become his disciples too? Even though it's in a sarcastic way a little bit. Um, and then they get, of course, angry. They revile him. And um, you know, before, just before that, in verse twenty-six, where they ask him again, "What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes?" It's they're actually trying to confuse this man and get him to second guess his experience with Christ. Mm, and this point. is something that the devil Very does perfect. to us uh, when we have an experience with Jesus. He'll send people our way or just flood our minds with doubts and with many ideas to try to confuse us That's right. and uh, make us think that we're deluded or our experience with Christ was not real. But um, like this man, we can cling to what we know to be true and uh, by faith we can cling to the hand of Christ and say, no, I know what Christ has done in my life, and I'm His disciple, I'm His follower.
0: What does it mean to be a disciple? Like, we don't use that word um, so much today, but it's it's in the Bible, it's used a lot there. What does it? What does discipleship mean?
1: Mm, Yeah, to be a disciple means to be a follower of and a student of someone But in Jesus' day, disciples that followed rabbis were not just ones that would follow them But they would live with them They Mm -hmm. would spend time eating with them and interacting with them And observing how they interact with other people and how they spoke and what they believed And they would do life together Mm. And they would become like their rabbi.
0: I like how you ended that. A disciple was someone who came after and uh, wanted to be like their master. That's right. Yeah, that in fact, powerful. there was an
1: old saying in um, amongst the Jews uh, that, where they would tell the disciple of a rabbi, a new disciple, they would say, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. <laughs> like, may you be covered in the dust, because you're walking so closely behind them that you know you're even collecting... Collecting everything that comes from them. I remember being in university when I was uh when I was young and I made some friends from (laughs) <laughs> and I was younger, yes. Thank you. Still young. Young is a relative term, <laughs> right? It
4: like
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I remember a friend from Oakwood University—that uh, a group of friends from there that I made—and and there's an old Seventh-day Adventist evangelist named E.E. E. Cleveland mm. who actually brought another evangelist called C. D. Brooks into the church. And E.E. E. Cleveland was still teaching classes, even though he was older and retired. And I asked one of my friends, I was like, "Man, you." are you having any classes with, you know, E.E. E. Cleveland? He's like, man, people don't realize what they're missing. People don't realize how amazing it is to, to sit at this guy's feet, you know, to learn from him in class. But me, man, I'm sitting on the front row, and if he spits, I catch it. <laughs> He's like, I'm catching every word that comes out of his mouth, you know, and writing it down and trying to learn everything I can from this great man of God who led so many thousands to accept Jesus as their Savior. Amen. And so that's what it really means to be a disciple.
0: You know, that, that brings to mind a, a passage, the words of Jesus in Matthew twenty-eight, nineteen and 20. Yes. And it says that Jesus came and he spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Verse 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe, not most things, the Bible says, All things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even... Even to the end of the age. Mm, Amen. Amen. Um, that's what Jesus calls us to do too, to go and make disciples, to right. teach. And uh, yeah, if you're listening and you are not a disciple of Jesus, you have not uh, chosen to follow Him, today is the best time that's to right. make that choice. Right now you can say, you know what, I want to follow Jesus too, because I recognize that He is the Son of God, the Savior of the world. Hmm. And uh that's not the only thing that happens here in this passage. Do you want to keep reading to the...
1: Yes, after he kind of gets cheeky with them and says, Do you also want to become his disciples? I already told you, etc. Verse 28. Then they reviled him and said to him, You are his disciples, but we are Moses' disciples. We don't know, or we know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we do not know where he is from. Now remember, John eight forty-two. Jesus said... Uh, to these same religious leaders, he said, I proceeded forth and came from God, nor have I come from myself, but he sent me. But when they said this, we don't know where he is from. They weren't only contradicting that he said he was from God, but they were also um, challenging and basically throwing an insult out there that Jesus, his birth, was of questionable origin in their minds because they didn't believe that he was miraculously conceived in Mary. And so they were speaking as if he came from illegitimacy, but this man didn't care. He answered and said to them, verse 30, why, why this is a marvelous thing that you do not know where he is from, yet he has opened my eyes. Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing.
0: Stop the press. <laughs> That's an amazing statement right there.
1: Uh, absolutely. And, and just before we get there, he says, you know, we know God does not hear sinners. Praise God that he does hear sinners. Um, but the Bible talks about how if we continue on living in sin that we know is sin and yet we come to God and ask for help in these areas and we're choosing to live against Him intentionally uh, then that's kind of a, a different story there God is merciful He's patient but this man basically he says since the world began it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind mm. if this man were not from God he could do nothing amazing that it had never been, it had never taken place in history, in human history, where someone who was born blind was given their sight.
0: And other miracles have happened prior to Oh, this. yeah,
1: absolutely. Like
0: uh, a resurrection has happened.
1: That's right. Raising the dead. Moses was raised back to life. Uh, there's the story where Elisha's bones, these guys right. were, you know, they dropped their dead friend, their friend's dead body in there and started running away because the enemy army <laughs> was attacking. And so they started running away and they turned around there, their friend was running with them. They were like, "What? how did you come back to life? What in the world? And um, that was
0: a miracle. Yeah,
1: it was a miracle. Oh, there
0: was the healing of Naaman.
1: That's right. From was. leprosy. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. And there was no known cure whatsoever for leprosy. Mm. And so we have some huge miracles. I mean, surely resurrecting someone back to life is bigger than the restoring or giving sight to someone who was born blind, mm. but for some reason, God saved this miracle for when He would be walking the earth, mm. and the reason is because He was wanting to wake up the, ph- the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day to the fact that they were spiritually blind he wanted to be able to open their eyes spiritually, Mm. to see him for who he was, to accept him for who he was as the Messiah.
0: So so God reserves this miracle for Jesus because this was the proof. That's right. Right, here,
1: This was one of the greatest proofs that uh, he could use to demonstrate, and also because he wanted to wake them up to the fact that they were so spiritually blind, and that if they continued in their hatred and jealousy for Christ— that it would result ultimately in their eternal destruction. And he wanted, Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost. Amen. Yeah.
0: You know, I was reading actually this morning in John chapter 10, and verses 40 to 42, the Bible says, And he went away again beyond the Jordan, this is Jesus, to the place where John was baptizing at first, and there he stayed. And it's interesting, verse 41, it says, Then many came to him, that is to Jesus, and said, John performed no sign, but all the things that John spoke about this man were true, and many believed in him there. Mm. Uh, I thought that was really powerful, right there, because um, in in light of what we are talking about today, Jesus performs the signs that John had said the Messiah would perform; that I... everyone had said the Messiah would perform. This was it was right there in front of them. That's right. Um, and I like too the progression of faith of this man who's been healed. You know, Back to verse 17, Who? what do you say about this man who opened your eyes? Well, he is a prophet. And then he goes on, well, all I know is if he's a sinner or not, I don't know. What I know is I was blind and now I see. I am now a disciple of his. And now, at the end here, this man must be from God. Because if he wasn't from God, he couldn't do this. That's right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, powerful. And his faith is just growing, and it's about to grow even more, as we're going to see in our last section together.
0: And do you think this is true for all of us? Like, uh, our faith grows? I mean, I think you said it before. We exercise, you know, exercising yeah. our faith will grow our faith in Jesus.
1: Absolutely. Faith is like muscle, you know? Mm. We have to exercise it in order for it to grow. And, um, you know, if we just continually, daily work out, work our faith, then we will grow in our faith, we'll grow stronger in our faith. Just like if you go to the gym every day, you do uh, calisthenics in home at home every day and body weight workouts or whatever, you will develop muscle. Naturally, mm-hmm. it will happen. And um, it's interesting, we often feel like, man, I have these, these mountaintop experiences in my spiritual life and my walk with God and why can't everything be a mountaintop experience? And the reason is because God gives us those mountaintop experiences with Him, but He also gives and allows us to have those valley floor experiences. And I love what a friend of ours, Matt Para, the way he put it once, he said, the mountaintop is for inspiration, but the uh, valley floor is for character reformation. Mm-hmm. And it's when we have to exercise our faith, it's in those valleys, those experiences, that we really grow. We apply what we've learned on the mountaintop. We apply what we've learned in our devotional time, our time with God, in our time listening to looking up, maybe, uh, where we put it into practice. It's where the rubber meets the road, and it leads to um, different A different, uh, choice, a set of choices in our lives.
0: That's well said. And I think this would be a a right moment for us to invite our listeners, you know, to put your faith in Jesus. It doesn't matter who you are. You can come to him just as you are and put your faith in him. And as you put your faith in him, God will bless you and your faith will strengthen as you continue to put your trust in Jesus. We're going to take a break and listen to another wonderful song uh, by B.J. Thomas, Just As I Am and then there'll be the news. Right after that we'll be back.
6: Just as I
2: the healing power of forgiveness. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.
3: Hey everyone, this is Lyle.
0: And this is Minnie, and you can join us every weekday morning for The Breakfast Show.
1: Every morning we cover news that matters and study the Bible together.
0: We also have heaps of great music and giveaways.
1: So come and have a positively different morning with us.
5: Every weekday from 7 to 9 on Faith FM.
0: back everyone. That was work for the night is coming an in instrumental and you're listening to Looking Up with Sharissa and Justin today. That's right. <laughs> that is right. And uh, for those of you who are joining us and or you need to be reminded, we have been stepping through John chapter 9 today. We've put our study on the book of Daniel just on hold until Pastor Danny gets back from Melbourne where he's visiting and also uh, there because his grandma passed away which is very sad. But the the family are there at this time. So uh, we're back in Daniel chapter 9 for now, and we're almost at the end of our chapter. And so maybe I can pick up our reading yep. uh, from verse 34 is where we need to pick up from, and I'll just read to the end of this chapter. This is what the Bible says. They answered and said to him, You were completely born in sins and are teaching us, and they cast him out. Now we should probably just set describe what's happening. Do you want to do that?
1: Yeah, so just to recap, this man becomes bolder than he's ever been with the Pharisees. Uh, He was born blind. Jesus healed him miraculously. And he basically says, verse 32, Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And so he's called himself now a disciple. He goes from saying, well, just sharing what Jesus did and healing him, to saying he's a prophet, and then he says, do you too want to become his disciples? So he identifies as a disciple himself personally. Mm-hmm. And then now, he says, this man has been sent by God. He is from God. He doesn't yet know Jesus by name. And as a result, verse 34, because the Jewish leaders, as we learned in verse 22, uh, decided that anyone who confessed Jesus was the Messiah, or the Christ, would be put out of the synagogue, that's excommunicated, kicked out, at least 30 days, and uh, they wouldn't be able to to trade, that is to buy or to sell. It would be socially uh, like something that would be terrible for their reputation. But this man didn't care. He knew what Jesus had done for him. And no matter the pressure, uh, he, he didn't care. He was going to proclaim that he was a follower of whoever had healed him. He was his disciple. So verse 34, when it says, you were completely born in sins and you were teaching us, and they cast him out. It means they excommunicated him, they put him out of the synagogue, and so he would have experienced this. But man, this guy was used to getting excluded from certain circles and, you know, treated like a sinner because he was born blind. Mm. And um, obviously, uh, it was worth the sacrifice, so to speak, uh, for him uh, to take his stand with Christ. And I just love this, this saying, it says that a faith that costs nothing and sacrifices nothing is worth nothing. And if we have a true faith in God, like this man, we'll be willing uh, to to pay whatever it costs to, to sacrifice because we fully believe in Him and we want to be counted as disciples of the living God.
0: So true. I was just looking here too, um, thinking about that that verse that we've just read. By admitting that the man was born with the consequences of sin, like you were born in, in sins, with, so consequences of sin being blindness, the religious leaders were actually admitting that they knew this healing of his was valid. Mm. Um, and their opposition must therefore be motivated by something other than a passion for truth.
1: Mm. It's actually spiritual blindness. Yeah. Right?
0: That, that theme keeps coming yeah. back, doesn't Jesus it? Jesus
1: was wanting to wake them up to the fact that they were blind. And we're going to come to that, actually, in the next few verses. Why don't we read the last section here together, 35 to 41. Or maybe we'll read a few and then walk through it.
0: Sure. So I'll read verse 35. Yeah. Verse 35, Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and when he had found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God?
1: Mm. Yeah, I think this is so powerful. Jesus heard that this man had been cast out of the synagogue. And he went in search of him. It says, when he had found him. In other words, he was searching for this man. And he was the one that came to him in the beginning, wasn't he? Yes. So we see Jesus constantly seeking after this man, searching for one uh, who would hear his voice and obey him and, um, and follow and, him.
0: And it's beautiful too because the very next chapter in chapter 10, it's all about Jesus being the true shepherd. Yes. And here and he's, he's seeking. The that's way.
1: right. And his sheep hearing his voice. Yes. And this man couldn't see Jesus, but he could hear his voice mm-hmm. and he obeyed him. He went. He did what Jesus said and he was healed. Mm. Yeah. So he, Jesus finds him again. And this is a, a valuable lesson that God is the one seeking us. You mm-hmm. hear people, and we say sometimes, "Oh, yeah, I found God a few years ago." well, God wasn't lost, <laughs> but we were, and God had been seeking for us the entire time, and we finally accepted uh and responded to his love by accepting him as our Savior. But it says when he found him, he said to him, "Do you believe in the Son of God?" Jesus doesn't say, "Hey, that was me, I'm the <laughs> messiah but Blind people, you know, we have a guy at our church. We have a weekly food pantry where we feed like 60 to 80, uh, people and each week that come and get affordable groceries. And there's a really nice man there named Jason. And, uh, Jason has a little tag on his, um, on his chest that says, I have low vision. And I'll never forget the second time that I met him, I walked up behind him and I was talking with somebody and he said, oh, Justin, good to hear you. <laughs> and I thought, wow, what sharp ears he has, yeah, you know? He does. And when you've been blind, you, all of your other senses are heightened to kind of compensate for not being able to see. And so this man would have recognized Jesus' voice, no doubt. And mm-hmm. Jesus asks him, do you believe in the Son of God? And notice how he answers, verse 36. He says, who is he, Lord that I may believe in him. It's almost like I imagine him looking at him like, I'm 98% sure you're (laughs) the one that healed me. And so he asks a question back, very wise. He asks Jesus, who is he that I may believe? But he addresses him as Lord. Mm. Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? See, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Mm. And this man had faith. He didn't see Christ, but he had faith in his word. And now he had greater faith in him because he'd experienced this miracle in his life. And so, he he asks Jesus, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? Mm. And
0: just on that note right there, like, my Bible's got a note here, and I like it. I just share it with all of our listeners. Some people are more naturally trusting than others, but saving faith has an object the person of Jesus Christ.
4: Mm, So,
0: he wanted to know who Um, Who is he, he, Lord, that I may believe in him? Yes. That's powerful. All right, so the response comes in verse 37. And Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. Hmm. And verse 38, Then he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him.
1: Ah, Powerful. So powerful. He says, Lord, I believe. He addresses him as Lord again. Hmm. And he says, I believe. And this was demonstrated because he worshiped him. You know, this is such a beautiful passage and our belief will lead to us worshiping God. And worship is something more than just singing songs to the Lord and uh, going to church and saying amen when we hear a powerful point or listening to the Bible on audio. Like, worship is much deeper than that. It's a lifestyle.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a life response, really. I was actually thinking, as you said that, the very first mention of the word worship in the Bible is actually in Genesis, Genesis 22, 22. When Abraham said to his servants that he and his son were going to go up Mount Moriah and they would worship God and then they would come back but what god had instructed him to do in genesis 22 was to offer his own his son as a burnt offering on that mountain it was to test his faith to see if really abraham had had put god first and was believing in god's word um, right. but yeah in that case worship was a whole life response to god of trust
1: it was sacrificing that which he loved most
0: yeah that's because
1: right. he was in obedience to God, he was saying, I love God most and above everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And worship comes from the old English word worth mm-hmm. It's ascribing worth or value to something or someone. Mm-hmm. And so every decision we make in our lives should essentially be an act of worship toward God explore showing in in our lives why he is number 1 to us why he matters the most why mm-hmm. the decisions we make are ones that will bring glory to him mm-hmm. that will help others to know him and rightly reflect his character to those around us That's
0: right and i'm thinking too you know there's only one person who is worthy of worship absolutely and it is god mm. And so the very fact that Jesus lets him worship him, doesn't rebuke him, like he lets him worship him, receives the worship, is another evidence to us here in the story. Jesus was exactly who he claimed to be. He's the Son of God.
1: Absolutely. We find every holy created being, that is the holy angels, and none of them accept worship. It's Revelation 19.10, yes. John is so overwhelmed at the vision that he's been shown that he falls down at the feet of this angel that's revealing the vision to him to worship the angel, and the angel says, No, see that you do it not. Don't do that. Mm. Worship God. I'm of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. I'm just a fellow servant like you, he said. Mm-hmm. And um, likewise, when uh, Jesus was tempted in the wilderness and Satan appeared to him as an angel of light, and tempted him to, to sin. It wasn't until the third temptation that Jesus fully knew he was the devil because he asked for worship. And mm-hmm. Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. Because he knows, Jesus knew that holy beings never accept worship. Only God is worthy of our worship.
0: That's right. And there's only two reasons, well, two reasons make God worthy of worship and no one else. Number one, that He created us. That's right. And number two, that He died to redeem us. Yes. Jesus died to redeem us. So, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, powerful points right there. Shall we keep reading?
1: Yes. Do you, want
0: to, do you want to read them?
1: Sure. Verse 39, Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may be made blind. Then the Pharisees who were uh, with him heard these words and said to him, Are we blind also? Verse 41, Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, We see. Therefore, your sin remains. Mm. Jesus is saying all of this, this healing of this man who was trapped in the darkness of blindness his whole life was, and him, it's switching, the, the role's completely just reversing here where he could now see but the Pharisees, who spiritually had every reason to be able to see, were spiritually blind. Jesus is explaining. He's teaching through this experience.
0: Mm. He spiritualizes the healing and teaches the spiritual lesson.
1: Yeah, through the physical healing, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Well, um, is there anything else you want to unpack on that point? I think
1: that's <laughs> it for this chapter. I mean, one of the key points, I think, is verse 4, you know. This man shared his testimony, and because he did, many people came to accept Jesus as their savior and Jesus said in verse four of this chapter, "I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Mm. The night is coming when no one can work, and we 've been very blessed as Christians to be able to share our faith with religious freedom. Different parts of the world don 't have that liberty, and different time periods of history there haven't been the, there hasn 't been that liberty, and so we can praise God for this liberty, and we need to work while uh, it is day, share our faith while we can, help lead people to Jesus and the life transformation that he offers and ultimately to everlasting life.
0: Amen. That's a powerful thought. And uh, I'll just add one last thought that stood out for me in this chapter. Just backing up to verse 35, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. You might think sometimes when you're going through difficult times that that nobody knows and and nobody sees, mm. nobody cares. But Jesus knows, God sees, God cares, yes. and nothing touches us that escapes his notice. Absolutely. We are going to go to a song right now and uh, after that we'll be back with some final comments and to wrap up this wonderful study on John chapter 9.
6: Amazing grace How sweet like
4: me, I once
6: was lost, but now.
0: Paul Brandt, and uh, welcoming you back as we finish up this session of Looking Up Together. It's been, uh, I've enjoyed the Bible study today. Yeah, and, me too. Yeah, John chapter 9, a wonderful chapter, which I don't think after the study I can read it the same way again. Mm. There's so much in it. It's and opened that your eyes. It, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for adding that. <laughs> yes, it has opened my eyes, and we pray that it has been eye-opening for you all yes. who've been joining us as well. As we close out today, we want to make you aware of just a couple of important things. The first one is we have a free offer today.
1: Yes, it is called A Day for Healing. It's a hardback book, just 96 pages by John Brunt. And to the first caller or the first person to text in, this will be yours. The number to call is 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-324-843. Or text us at 0491-064-669. That's 0491-064-669.
0: That's right. And also, we wanted to take this opportunity to let our listeners know that there's an exciting program that's coming online, which means you can be part of this program and watch it and view it anywhere, provided you have internet, uh, on the end.digital. And it's a series, a three-part series entitled He is Risen. As, of course, we're entering into the Easter season and many people uh, may not have looked into the real reason for this season. So, this is going to be a three part series that will explore the significance of the death of Jesus on the cross, his resurrection, and where on earth or where in heaven is he right <laughs> now. And so, uh, you don't want to miss this series. You want to invite your friends to be a part of it. They'll just be three short 27 minute presentations. And again, they'll be released online on YouTube and on Facebook. And actually,
1: here on radio if you don't have internet. There you go. Rest assured. It'll be here on radio. So, airing at the same time, uh, 7.30, I believe, yes. March 28, March 30, and then the last one on April 2.
0: April 1. April 1. So, yeah, I'm glad you added that. We we want you to be a part of this series. Well, Justin, uh, as we, we finish up today, it would be nice if we would close this, this um, session, this uh, program with prayer, and maybe I could invite you to just pray for all of our listeners and um mm-hmm. And those who have been going through the floods as well.
1: Definitely. Let's pray. Our Father in Heaven, Lord, we thank you that while you are our King and while you are our Creator, you invite us to call you our Father.
4: Mm.
1: We thank you that you are a Father better than the best human Father imaginable. And we just praise you that you love us, that you care for us, Lord. Lord, we want to lift up to you everyone who is listening, and those, uh, Lord, especially who have been affected by these floods. We pray that you would send them the help that they need, that in these times it would not discourage them from a faith in you, but that it would lead them to you, and that they would reach out to you and experience the peace that only you can bring into their hearts and their minds. Lord, we want to pray for all of our listeners here today. We pray for all of us, Lord, that as we've been reminded through this story, that you We would allow you to open our eyes spiritually each and every day, that we would allow you to be our teacher, to guide us, to direct us. Lord, we thank you that soon our faith will become sight, and that we will see you coming in the clouds of glory when Jesus comes again to take us home. Keep us faithful until then, we pray. We love you and we thank you, in Jesus' name.
0: Amen. Well, again, thank you everyone for joining us today. We look forward to having you join us again next week as we continue back with Pastor Danny through the end of Daniel chapter 7. But for now, just a reminder that fear looks around, regret looks back, but faith always looks up. So wherever you are in whatever you're doing, remember to keep looking up by faith to Jesus.
3: Keep looking up, don't give up, don't give up when there's pain deep in your heart. Keep looking up, don't give up, don't give up should the tears begin to start. With a prayer, all your
6: cares
3: he will cast into the depths of the sea His love is always there for me